Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. The uh, Today, I guess where we're going is that everyone would know that they have worth forever and that we really are in a forever game here, okay? We're not in a, in a lifetime game. Because if you're in a lifetime game, then, then uh, you're... Your win in your action is going to look a lot different than if you know there is a greater purpose, a greater story, a, a, a greater reality, a truth that you and me do live forever. And as we are in that truth, we're, we're bombarded by the lies of now, return, what do I want, competing and where we find freedom is, I really believe, is where our souls are most alive. And you sometimes see that if you've watched documentaries of anybody who's checked off the grid and they live somewhere in some obscure place. I was watching some videos last night of like Salt Lake City, Salted City. It's an abandoned city that um, now there's, there's no law there. It's lawlessness. It's the only city in the United States where there's lawlessness and people are there and they just don't want to be a part of society in any way, shape, or form. And I think even that desire that they feel is one that God put there because God doesn't want us to find our worth from the society. And why it gets so hard is because we wake up, we're in the rat. Well, what am I doing this for? I'm waking up, go to bed again. What am I waking up? Okay, get a check, go to, and you don't really find that. But once we find out the intention of why God made it this way, and, and how it's got perverted, okay? And it's got perverted because sin distorted stuff. And sin made it where work feels now painful and relationships feel difficult and we see sickness and sorrow and life's taken away too short and we feel that. But our spirit now groans for the forever home. And it doesn't change our responsibility. It just now gives us a healthy perspective to say, okay, my worth is not just here now. My worth is in another place, another kingdom, and I'm an ambassador with rights from another place. Now, before Jesus did any of the great show, so Jesus did some incredible things, okay? The question is not whether or not Jesus existed. He for sure did. The question is whether or not people believe he's Lord. He really is the God-man. He really is the Savior. He really is the one that can set our souls free forever. Now, I believe that to be true. I've seen him do that in my life and so many other people's lives. And no matter where you're at on that spectrum, would you maybe just lean in? Because I do think Jesus is personal, he's real, and he's not in just a vehicle of any religious model you've ever thought. In fact, he's so um, down to earth, he was accused as being a friend of sinners. Now, if our textbook God, we don't like that. We want to know that he's clean, he's nice, and he comes, and he tells me how to dress, and everything's right. But no, he, he, he's way more, his grace is reckless. His love is contagious, and his offering, his fragrance that you would smell is so captivating that all want to taste and see that the God is good. So as we think about Jesus for a minute, this is my introduction. So you think about Jesus for a minute and you say, okay, I know he did the stuff. He, uh, people said he walked on water, raised people from the dead. He gave sight to the blind. I'd have, I have to think that God the Father is looking down on his son and saying, that's the stuff I'm really excited about. Let me tell you. you know, if, in heaven, if there was a moment when 
someone asked God the Father, tell me about your boy. He's like, oh yeah, my boy, he, he gives sight to the blind, he you know, makes the lame walk, he walked on water, he fed thousands with just a few pieces of food. I mean, my boy hits home runs. But that's like not how God talks about Jesus. And we know that because when Jesus gets baptized, when he identifies with what we need, we needed to be born again. We need to go down in our old life dead and we need to come up new in his. That's what baptism is. When he gets baptized, not for his sin, but to, for, to give us an example for our sin in new life of what that looks like, here's how God says, this is what he says about his boy. He goes, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. That means just because he's mine, he's done more than I could ever ask or think. He identifies with the identity that there's family rights that have nothing to do with what Jesus does. This is so important because how we associate God, we think God is more pleased with us when we do a bunch of stuff. It's just not how it works. This is why the gospel is so um, almost threatening to our works mindset. I mean, it's at war with society. Society says, okay, here's what you have to do to be pretty. Anybody seen Kung Fu Panda? Now, Poe is the most unlikely candidate to be chosen as the, the, the Kung Fu master. And there's this dragon scroll, right? And so the, that all the Kung Fu masters want to get to the point to where they can open this dragon scroll. Well, no one can, but the dragon master can open up the scroll. And, and, and Poe, and there's this, this fight enemy, and Poe finally gets the dragon scroll. And what everybody wants, this great moment, what's in the scroll? Is it some crazy combination that he can do, how he can take over, how he can rule some combo that it's going to make him so special and all it is is nothing it's just a reflection of himself and you're like the beauty was not the combination he would learn or what he would do but the beauty was that it the 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 greatness was already in the chosen one so to speak was in him so to speak today will you hear this loud and clear you can't clean yourself up we can't do enough things that'll get God so excited about us. You can't impress and dress and succeed in your job that makes you more valuable, that God will talk about you better. He just talks about you great. Once you put your faith in Jesus, he says, hmm, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I wonder if we looked into the mirror today, because it's, it's, it's difficult to look into the mirror sometimes. Because when you look into the mirror, what you find is what's really in you. We see the external of how we look, and we compare ourselves to whatever we've seen on TV. But, but we also see what's going on in here. You look in your soul. It's like the eye is the gateway to what's really in your heart. And you can fake everyone else, but there's two people you typically can't fake, right? One God and two yourself, if you're really honest. And the mirror does that. And the mirror will show us the level of confidence and the level of worth that we really believe. And too often, we're, we're discounting a cheap grace on our lives, this, okay, God's kind of saved me, but he tolerates me because if the door of heaven opens, I'm going to kind of sneak through. Or yeah, he just, I'm, I'm in the family, but I'm, I'm kind of the, the stepson in the family. And it's a horrible mindset because what it does is it discounts who Jesus really is and it discounts what he really did. He really is worth it all. He's the only one that can say you're worth something. He's the only one who says, all right, I know you wanted things. I know you wanted stuff. I know you were looking for some type of achievement and hope in this world. But let me tell you, 
That bucket list is so overrated because the way I talk about you, your forever worth is so underrated. Would you just see it? And it's already in you. That's who he's calling. He's not calling you to, he's not calling somebody else. He's calling you. This is, this is the Jesus that's in the Bible. This is the Jesus I know personally. This is the Jesus who's always working this uh, world mindset out of me. And he's reminding me who my position is. What is our worth today? I think we don't recognize how much we're worth it. How much we're really worth it. Now, I traded baseball cards as a kid. And, um, you know, there would be like folklore if someone had some serious cards. Now, if somebody's got a Jordan rookie, that person gets to walk in the room just like, (laughs) they just like pull out their card, you know, it's like, like only, only certain people can be in the room in that moment because the person that beholds a Jordan rookie card, he doesn't operate with any peasants with any type of common cards, okay? You have to have something to even get the person in the room. And there's, there's, this is how I met friends. People would say, well, yeah, he's got a Barkley rookie. He's got a Jordan second year. And uh, he's got some Sanders rookie. He's got some old school bait. And, and, and then the, what it would do is it would, it would invite two people in the room and we would trade. And as you would trade, you would negotiate. And this is back when you actually had to do research. I'm going to be that guy for a second. But you had to do research by buying magazines or looking in material like a Beckett. There was this catalog that you could find out what your card was worth. So you had to go in an index. You had to know about an appendix. And you had to know, you know in the glossary and table of contents, all this stuff, right? And you're going to find what is my card worth. And as you find out what your card's worth, you come to the table with trading power. And you... So very subtly, this would happen. But when you had cards that were valuable, you started to feel a little bit more valuable. And this addiction started at nine years old. And it led to card shows. And it led to different things. And my worth, what's, what was a, 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 just a normal, exciting thing, which was collecting baseball cards, now started to, I think, warp even my worth at a very, very young age. That somehow that would carry over into my teenage years, that if I'm doing really good in the basketball team, then I'm loved. But if I can't do that anymore, well, now I might as well just sell a lot of, uh, uh, you know, um, you know un- uh, illegal substances, and then that will lead to this. And then I might as well, oh, if I'm not going to do college well, or I might as well get in this job, and wait, I want to make more money. And this, this kind of rat race starts to warp our worth. And it, when Jesus steps in, he, he really speaks to this to the depth of your soul in a way that he says the price tag is just not how I'm looking at it. This is, in fact, we can't purchase what Jesus did. We can't ever come to the table with any type of cards that God wants to trade with. It never works. And this is so healthy. So healthy. Because we're heirs to the throne. Now, an heir is an ascendant um, that gets property when somebody has deceased, and relationship, a will, or a legal process. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, talks about this mystery. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. Now, Gentiles would be this. They're not invited to the trading experience. They're, they don't have good cards. When you think of Gentiles, I mean, they got commons. They, they got the cards that are worth 0.001%. I mean, you could take a whole uh, trailer's worth into the card trading place, and they wouldn't even give you five bucks for it. I mean, the Gentiles are not thought about. And in fact, God's people, the children of Israel, 
Israel, they're probably got this pompous attitude over time where they think about the Gentiles like, okay, yeah, we recognize they're human beings. They get to breathe the same air, but they're for sure not coming up with us, and they're not, definitely not heirs. <laughs> they might have the same air, but they're not heirs. And as you see, God, it makes this very clear. It's a mystery that he would, through this chosen people, then provide a savior for all of mankind. It's scandalous. It's beautiful that there'd be members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, the good news. Now, literally, to break down like an heir, it's someone who has been appointed to receive an inheritance. An inheritance. Anyone ever got an inheritance? Don't do a raise a hand, but, but an inheritance. So you're going to get a lump sum of something that you didn't deserve or be any uh, a participant in the development of getting that. Romans 4.13 says, For this promise uh, to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And I want you to kind of peek up your interest here to say, okay, you got an inheritance, okay? That means you got so, so, so much money, 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 infinite, infinite, infinite wealth. That's the way you can probably quantify it. Think cash, think spoils of war, think kingdom, think treasure, think whatever, think you could do whatever you want. Lord of the Rings picture scene and you're sitting on it all and the dragon's there and, and the dragon's gone. It's all yours. Think of that type of inheritance. This is, how, this is how lavish this treasure is. Think of that for a minute. The, the riches of heaven we have, but we obtain it through faith. Through faith. It almost sounds silly. Okay, so what's the trick, preacher? <laughs> By faith? Come on, man. Every other place I have to punch in, punch out. Every other thing I have to do something. How high am I? Can I play? What skin color am I? What? All this nonsense. You're telling me by faith I get the inheritance? Yeah. Yeah, it's, this is how this stuff works. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who first to hope in Christ might be to praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That last sentence there, Holy Spirit's like down payment on the inheritance. Holy Spirit that's active with you all the time, whether we recognize it or not. Francis Chan has this very catchy uh, title to his book, Forgotten God, and he talks about Holy Spirit as forgotten God. And we, we know about God the Father, we know about Jesus, but Holy Spirit, how does this flesh in? Holy Spirit's there all the time to remind you of Jesus, to remind you of God, to lead you. So this is a power that you have access to all the time. And when you plug in, it, it, the, the circuit doesn't break. It doesn't trip, it, it, it's, it's real, it's there. It continues in verse 15. You guys still with me? Yeah, you. For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. What a statement. I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having 
the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Two things are taking place here. We have an inheritance in Jesus. Jesus has an inheritance in the saints. And how do you become a saint? When you have faith in Jesus. This is the coolest truth. This is so epic that God looks down at us that, are in, that, have, that have confessed, that have been born again, that there's my inheritance. Thanks, God. Whoa. And then we're looking up and we're like, we get everything that the son gets? No way. We're kind of getting in, aren't we? No, no, no. We have an inheritance in Jesus, and Jesus has an inheritance in the saints. That's me. Forever me. It's the inheritance. My first job, I've talked about it a couple times, um, was cleaning cars at Dick Scott Motor Mall in Fowlerville, and I was just prolific slacker. And what that means is you invent ways to not really do a lot of work, but if you're going to be a prolific slacker, okay, let's quantify, you absolutely have to be good at your job when you do it. It's just when you do it. And so you, you clean a car, you get that done, and I'm not proud of this by any stretch of imagination, but let me just explain to give you context. And then what I would do is I'd go in the service department and then take some time with a couple conversations, maybe go get some Windex, and then find myself in the restroom for way longer than I really needed to be in there, and then take a trip to the uh, vending machine and get Cheez-Its at a particular time during the day. And then when you need to go gas up a vehicle, you just go really, really slow, and you come back and say, oh, the line was long, and, and oh, that's cool. And you just kind of, because if you set the bar really high, now you got to like beat it, right? Okay, somebody's relating, because this for sure is somebody in the room, okay? Because you're getting paid hourly, and you say things like this, they don't pay me enough to do that. It's like, I'm not the owner. You can always tell when they're the owners in the, in the room. Always. Go out to eat, you can tell when the owner. You're going to leave early. You're like, when, when the restaurant's closing early, the owner's probably not there, that's the worst coming to a restaurant late. And it's like they're getting ready to close. You're like, what? Where's the owner? I would look at my paycheck, eight bucks an hour, and I would think, my life's not worth this. And then if the world's starting to tell me what I am worth and they can offer me more money, now you start to want to go over here. You get it? This is why we don't want to work because a lot of times we're like, uh, the amount, I'm worth more. But what happens is we sell ourselves cheap. We start to discount our own life, and now we're in things that don't honor God, don't love God, and that we would rather work for free in righteousness than to be paid lavishly in a kingdom of wickedness, period. We would never want to bow because when we're in Jesus, we have this forever worth. When you know your worth, you have to know your worth. Look, if you don't, no one will. If you don't know your worth, no one will. No one's going to know. You walk around like you could be bought, you can be sold out, you're looking for someone's attention, affection. I was listening to a celebrity, watching his behind-the-scenes story. He made $100 million, okay? So got some bread, got some cake, okay? What that means, he had a lot of money in the bank. And as he had a lot of money in the bank, he talked about he would have these parties, and he would hang out with A-list people, and over time, his addiction got so strong, he started being with B-list people, and then he used a term I thought was interesting. He said he hung out with degenerates. And it was a fascinating perspective to think, okay, A-list, B-list, degenerates. What a, that's how we kind of feel about life in society, isn't it? A-list, B-list, degenerates. And I think that applies to us and God. And he's like, oh, there's the A-list people. He really likes them. 
I'm, maybe I'm a B-list and I'm in the family, but I'm kind of like the degenerate one. And he talked about that he had $100 million, but he was living like a billionaire, but he was a millionaire. I thought that principle translates to, to me, translates to you. If, if you make $30,000 a year, but you live like you make 60, well, it's the same principle. You make $60,000 a year, but you live like you make 100, it's the same principle. You make $100,000 a year, but you live like you make 250, it's the same principle. 250 to 500, 500 and so on. And, and then really the quality of life is turned, it's just quenched away. And we think that the A-list is it and we're experiencing that all the time. And the A-list, friends, the A-list, you know what it is? Those that put their faith in Jesus, it's finished. Come on, there's got to be something more to it. No, that's it. And once you know that, once you really know and taste that, now you're like, oh, I want to work with him. I want to know what he wants from me. I can work for six bucks an hour. In fact, now I recognize I'm not working for my dad anymore at Dick Scott. I'm working enthusiastically for God. You want a boss? You want a serious boss? Work for God. Because God knows all the time. All the time. When you cut the corner, he knows it all the time. When we recognize we're A-list position in Jesus Christ, we start to, this, this, this type of passage comes alive. In Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Forever worth we have forever worth. And whoever told you that when you follow Jesus, you're not going to go through stuff, okay, that's a sham. Super sham, super joke, super not real. In fact, as you profess faith in Jesus Christ, that could, that's a bullseye. Satan's like, yeah, let me take him out. That's why we need people. That's why we need groups. That's why we need each other. That's why we need the word. Boom, he comes at you. He wants to attack you, discourage you. He loves it. He doesn't mess with you when you're drunk at the bar. He loves that junk. That way it was easy. Why does that path? It leads to death. It's hard and difficult and narrow, but it leads to life. And when we think about how difficult it is, okay, we're going to fail every time. But when we remember and we look at Jesus and he's like, I love you. Like, you got this. And you're getting your worth from him. You're like, all right, yeah, awesome. We can do this. Oh, man. Ow. And you get back up. And it's this constant rhythm. And that's why, the, you know what the scripture says? It's very fascinating. Scripture says that we don't just um, die one time. We die daily in the gospel. <laughs> what? We die daily. Every day I have to wake up and die to my flesh. Christianity is like the worst sport because I still got a jump shot. It takes me a while to get it back on. I haven't played in years. I'd I, I, I have a decent jump shot. Not better than some people in this room. I get it. But I take five years off Christianity, I won't have a jump shot anymore. You'd probably be visiting me through, you know, glass window. I mean, five years off. It's every day, y'all. It's every day. And, the, and what, what kind of woos us and wows us into, into this of wanting every day is we recognize we're heirs. Yeah, I'm a son. Wow, I got an inheritance. I'm in this thing. You see this word there. It says oh, we're, we're spirit of adoption as sons. And, 
Even adoption of how we see in the world, you can, you can typically tell if somebody's been adopted, especially if they don't look like their parents, right? And it's like, well, you don't look anything at your brothers, and they got to tell the story. It's like, I've been adopted, right? And it's uncomfortable for them, and you, you don't know what to say. And, but, that, but this mindset, when you think of being adopted into the family of God, it, it's not, it, there's, there's no step rights. There's no hyphen dash. There's no, let me show you my papers. It's, you're in. You're family now. You're engrafted in. You're, you're blood of the lamb, covered by Jesus, Jesus' own, his sheep, you're in the family. And in fact, now you can start to say this word, Abba, Abba, Abba. And if I'm transparent for a second, I'm not going to be politically correct here. Um, so go with me. No Facebook Live on this one. <laughs> Is when I heard people saying Abba a bunch, and Abba, and um, and, and then it, it translates to daddy, daddy. And how I was introduced to this daddy concept, um, which I, I'm, I, was, I felt like I was close to God, so I think that's worth saying. I'm really close to God, but I'm not identifying with the type of uh, context I'm seeing daddy in. And here's what I mean. I was seeing daddy from a lot of people that were super feminine. And that wasn't bad. We need feminine culture. It's beautiful. There's equal- Are you kidding me? There's equality. But when, I, when someone's saying, hey, come spend time with daddy, I'm like, yo, okay, I'm spending time with God. I'm spending time with my Lord. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm coming from sports. I'm coming from rap world. I'm coming from business world. I mean, what, you know, come spend time with daddy. And it's because uh, if you look at churches in America, most of them volunteer of percentages is filled with women. And it's not because women are doing the wrong thing. They're doing the right thing. The guys are doing the wrong thing. It's like, I can't go today. I got to be at home in the man cave. I got to, what in the world? We're supposed to be the ones. Men. Okay, so rise up. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, I sometimes. So as I, over time, started to really think about it, and now having children, when they say daddy, different than dad. Man, it's different. It's different when Kingston's on my shoulders and he feels so comfortable that he grabs my beard and it hurts so bad my first instinct was to punch him. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, you know, it's like, buddy, can we not do that? He's like, ha ha, what? what? You know, he's laughing. He feels that close to me. He feels that close to me. Do you know the access that Jesus gave how we can cry, Abba. You know what it means? It means that when you come in the palace and you know that you see this huge celebration, there's this kingdom, and we don't just, you know, kind of, oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, we're uncomfortable. Jesus is like, come on. We're like, oh, yeah, I can kind of get. He's like, what are you doing? And then finally, he recognizes we're being so timid <laughs> that he runs to us and he brings us right into the court. And then we're right there face to face with God and he's talking about our forever worth and we can't believe it because it's easy to give compliments, but it's hard to receive them. And I think sometimes we associate timidness with holiness. Do not think they're the same. Oh, we're timid around God now. You know, the, the Bible's in the secret safe. It's in the nice glass. We got the Bible room, right? You can't make this messy. What? No, not, let it never be said so. And you know what's crazy, and this is why I want to just, like, just drill it through our spirits, is it's actually out there, the lie, that somehow that's how God connects with you. 
No, no, God came down from his heavenly throne, gave up all riches, everything. He was made low as a servant. He lived a perfect life and then died a sinner's death on the cross next to two thieves that are broken and wicked. He didn't deserve any of it. They're laughing at him. They're mocking at him. They're spitting on him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. And he's like, he's like they, come on, let's take over. Isn't the kingdom now? He's like, no, no, no. I could have angels and legion. We could do this whole thing. We could take over right now, but we'll get it later. Trust me, my kingdom operates differently. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the people. Peacemakers, blessed are the ones who think differently. So if you're just looking at your bank account, you're just looking at your position in life, you're missing it. Those positions are great. They can be used for God's glory, but that's not the full story because you have forever worth. It's an inheritance. It's an inheritance. Worship team, when you guys come up, and this is the cool part where you know the professionals, they come up and they're going to lead us in the Lord. And we visited church last week and I thought it was worth stating where I think many times we can think, okay, Katie's the A-list she can sing. And what's my job? And we see them kind of come up. And really, though, they're just a gift to the body of Christ to help empower us. I hope they created an environment that piques our interest. The world piques our interest. God is fully in love with your logic, but he's also fully in love with your emotion. And he wants neither of them to be perverted, neither of them to be led astray. Left brain, right brain, head and heart, no matter how you describe this thing, God is fully academic. Are you kidding me? He definitely knows how to sustain the galaxies, yet he's fully emotional because he just gets so close with compassion and weeps with people. You got some things in your life that God has to get so close and weep with you. You got some uh, insecurities that uh, the worth feels just so hard to even look in the mirror. You can't even believe that he loves you that much that he, this is where you like play something. There you go. It's awesome. <laughs> it's an emotional part. <laughs> but for real, that he loves you, that you get that close, that he doesn't care what makeup you wore, what clothes you, how big and your title you needed, and he just wants you to cry out Abba today. We, uh, we had this um, great date last week. We went to the Lion King, Crystal and I. And she told me a year ago, when the Lion King comes to town, I want you to take me to it. And she forgot. And Crystal is so innocent and just so simple. It's so beautiful. We're pulling into the Warden Center. And I told her was, I have a meeting there. And she doesn't even think. She was just like, all right, well, I'll see you later. I'm like, we're going to the Lion King, babe. You know? And she was like, this is awesome. Um, and so we went. And we had these tickets. I, we saw Brian Regan there. He's a great comedian. And he's clean, too. So you got, you got several hours of fun if you Google him when you get home. And, and we, we sat up in the balcony at the Wharton Center for Brian Regan. And I, and we, I thought it was a great seat because I like looking down. And, and for Lion King, I was like, let's just get those same seats. But as we were walking in, showing people our ticket, I realized they weren't perceived as the same great seats. <laughs> so they're like, they kind of had that uncomfortable look on their face. Oh, oh, um, you're in the next floor. You know, you're upstairs. Like, oh, okay. So we walk up to the next stairs. We're like, hey, where do we sit? They're like, oh, you're in the next stairs. I was like, oh, I get it. You know, and as we go up there, it's like, okay. You know, it's kind of the nosebleed seats, if you will. And then there was the, fr- the, the, the main floor experience, if you will. And I thought... I wonder how many of us believe, okay, we're at least at the show. I'm just okay with being in the balcony. And that heart is, is, is beautiful, right? Humble heart. But isn't it the king that says, hey, you come here and you get in the front row? 
So he's not saying you're on the third level anymore. He's not saying you're on the second level. He's saying you're front row, front face, just all in this moment, face to face with God. He's telling you you're forever worth it. Man, we are not abandoned. We are home in Jesus. When you're home, you do something different, don't you? You just take off your shoes. And when you go to a hotel, been some, some really neat hotels, you, you can only stay for the amount of time you pay, and then you turn in your keys and your access is denied. But the home experience, you can do things differently, right? It's yours. It's yours. You're there. God is not the hotel God. He's the home God. He's not the God that says you have to, you have to be perfect to hang out with him. No, he's the one that says, come on, let's do this thing. Let's sit back. Let's stay a while. Because as you stay with me and you gaze on, on my face, what happens is you will want to let go of those things that are tripping you up, those attitudes, the gossip. You'll want to let go. As I just tell you how much you're worth to me, now you won't have the same anxieties when you hang out with people. When I tell you about the forever inheritance you have, you'll remember that what you are suffering today, oh, the glorious home we will have just doesn't even compare so as we worship that's just to kind of create and set the stage for us to know um, to our academic real quick is Jesus is forever worthy he says you're worth it his word is forever on display forever and ever and we have a beautiful gift and community I hope you sign up for a group today but I think the funnest part about today is closing in worship to lay it all down to really just get messy with God for a minute. Um, this isn't the moment where you, okay, this person raised their hand. I don't, who cares? Do whatever you feel would be a step for you. A step for you. I remember early on uh, walking with Jesus, there was moments when I needed to stand up in church. I'm not even kidding you. I needed to stand up. I needed to stand up because it was like a statement for me that I'm serious about this thing. I stood up one time in the middle of a service. The preacher looked at me. He goes, it's okay, buddy. You can sit back down. You know, now realizing they probably thought I was a threat in security. And, um, but I, I was so filled with the Holy Spirit. I was so impacted by the, the fact that I was accepted. I didn't need to trade cards anymore. I didn't need to figure out my worth. That, that he started to reshape and reframe everything in, in my life. And it was so worth it that it was worth giving everything to him. Everything. That I didn't even care what people thought anymore, right? I say that because this is the thing that's going to transform your life when you just don't care anymore. When you lay it all down and give it all to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So will you take a couple minutes with us as we close? It doesn't need to be polished. I'm not even sure how it's all going to go. But I just want to invite you in to how I think the Lord's calling us. He's crying out. He's saying, hey, come on, come on. And our spirit is saying, Abba. Our spirit wants to get close to God. Jesus, we enter in right now. We don't dance around. We're, we're not timid. We're bold. We're coming in. God, we're taking off our shoes. We recognize that, we, that you want an intimate, personal relationship with us, God. You want us to be forever free. You want us to be forever me. You want us to know we have forever worth. God, right now, I pray that you'll shake us up, stir us up. This, our families need it. Our jobs need it. This city needs it. This region needs it. The 517, God, the state, nation, world needs it. They need to know that there's a love that is so good, so good, so good. We lay it all down, God.
Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.